when you can wear white. You have oh, to yeah. stop wearing white after Labor Day. Yeah. And then Memorial Day is when you can start again or something like that. Right. Like, that's a bunch of crap. When I first met Wanda that summer, I used to wear white jeans. They were a little on the tight side. I would work on her pool, and she had this fantasy of Jose the pool boy. Just, uh, <laughs> you know. Are you the type of person that listens in on other people's conversations in restaurants? Are you a nosy son of a gun with nothing else to do? Are you out walking your dog looking for an interesting conversation? Are you standing on the ledge of a building, ready to jump, wondering what life is all about? Well, you've come to the right place. Subscribe to Chat Buffet on iTunes, Google, or Spotify. Chat Buffet, the podcast for arbitrary thoughts and everyday observations. Hello. Hi, Joe. Oh, hi, Asha. Hello, listeners. Welcome to Chat Buffet. Hey, I have a question for you, Joe. Yeah? Thank you for joining me on this phone conversation because I've been very curious about this for a while now. Uh-oh. Wanda wouldn't tell me the answer, so I have to just ask you directly. Well, there are many things I tell you that I never tell her. <laughs> Good thing she has a format where she can listen in. That's right. Called a podcast. What would uh, you like to know? I'd like to know, Joe. Very serious question. What do you do in the shower? <laughs> wouldn't you like to know? Should that be the name of our podcast? Wouldn't you like to know? I'm trying to remember a reporter who went up to Ronald Reagan once. Wait, how are you distracting this conversation? You're it's directly to... related. <laughs> Sam Donaldson was his name. Do you remember, remember him? Yes, I know Yeah, Sam big, Don bushy, I, uh, dark I eyebrows. Well. <laughs> I do. Yeah, he and I are just like that. <laughs> he goes up to the president on the White House steps, if I recall correctly, and he says, Mr. President. Yes, Sam. He says, do you know that 65% of the men in the United States sing in the shower? No, Sam, I didn't. And the remaining 35%, Mr. President, masturbate. Oh, <gasps> I didn't know that. <laughs> Sam Donaldson said that? Yeah, and, and then he says, and Mr. President, the 65% of the men who sing in the shower, uh, do you know what song they sing? He says, no, Sam, I don't. I didn't think so. And he turns around and leaves. <gasps> no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh Reagan could take a joke as well as give it. So he thought that was funny. I'm going to have to go. So this was not on air, though. This was like a side thing that you read about yeah. later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. Now, what was the president? I don't remember which president was asked about. Do you wear the tidy whities or the boxers or something like that? Wasn't Clinton, that Car Clinton. Yeah, Clinton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that was early, early on when he was running. Yes. You know, in retrospect, maybe he should have been more discreet about that kind of stuff. Well, in retrospect, that wasn't even a controversial question, according to what they ask nowadays, right? Yeah. I mean, that whole line between what you can ask and what you can't ask a president are two different things. But anyway, what do you do in a shower is the question. So I spend 90% of my time shampooing. <laughs> 90 so percent. So, what's the other 10%? No, I know I referenced Seinfeld a lot. There is an episode of Seinfeld <laughs> where this is really funny. Um, Kramer is made the salad, and everyone's eating the salad, and they're like, Oh my god, Kramer, this is a wonderful salad! I love it. You know, what's all in it? And he's and he starts talking, and he says, He talks about how he washed the lettuce from that salad in the shower. He went into the shower and. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that episode? No, I enjoyed the series, but I didn't watch episodes as religiously as you did. <laughs>
Well, I thought that was gross and disgusting, but it's just something that made me laugh. And of course, everyone's face when he said that, they're like, oh, ew. <laughs> <laughs> that little taste of Kramer is what made the difference in the salad. So I can assure you, I never washed the salad in, in my shower. Thank goodness. I have not done that either. And But I thought that was really funny how they pull that up. And I wonder if something happened with one of the writers where they put that into the episode. But I got to tell you, there are definitely different people that do different things in the shower. Something other interesting? Than just like washing. No, no. I mean, whatever your, your morning routines are. Like, I actually brush my teeth in the shower. That's in the interesting. Morning. You find that interesting? You think that's I, uncommon? Absolutely. I have a I, toothbrush in my shower and I have another toothbrush outside. So at night, when I'm before I go to bed and if I'm brushing my teeth, I have a toothbrush out by the sink and I have another toothbrush in the shower and I brush my teeth. Do you teeth suppose there. Ricky ever uses your toothbrush shower? No. <laughs> <laughs> he knows not to, not that you know anyway. <laughs> I I'll know he doesn't because that. he has his own. <laughs> oh, in the shower. In the shower, yeah. That's really odd. It's off to the side. It doesn't get wet. It's up higher. And I have toothpaste and toothbrush. Something that I don't think is particularly odd, but I do in the shower, is I shave in the shower. Yeah, see, maybe other people think that it is odd. Yeah, I've got my shaving set right there in the corner on a, on a little corner shelf. Uh -huh. and, and I lather up and, and the steam and the hot water. And also rinsing the razor is a lot easier in the shower. So I think I started this brushing my teeth business in the shower, um, probably on a cold winter morning. You know, so I'm like, why bother sitting out, standing outside and brushing my teeth out there? I'm going to be in a nice warm shower. I'll brush my teeth in there. Kind of started. And then now I just continue that. I've got to try it. Yeah, try it. You'll like uh, it. I'll be at your place tomorrow. <laughs> and by the way, last time I was over at your place, I did see all your shaving gear up in the corner. I know exactly where it is. Oh, that's right. That's right. You used my shower. I used your shower. I used your shaving set, too. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I don't mind. Just let me know so I can swap the blade out. <laughs> I always end up disclosing a lot more than I intend to on these podcasts. So I just told you I brushed my teeth. Of course, ladies shave their legs. You brush mm -hmm. your teeth. I do the shampoo and conditioner. Yeah. I do like really long showers. But I have another question for you because I'm not sure that everyone does this. Some people think it's really disgusting. I mean, if you're in the bathroom, it's not like you're in a public pool or something. Would you Would you tinkle in the shower? <laughs> Are you asking for a confession? I'll confess I do. <gasps> <laughs> oh, I do all the time. But it grosses Wanda out, so I never tell her. <laughs> I said, you know, <laughs> the first time she caught me, it kind of freaked her out a little bit. And I'm saying, well, you know, it's soap. It's so lots of hot water, you yes. know. I mean, it would be like washing your hands after you go anyway, you know. Would, <laughs> right. That's what's how the big I deal? At it. <laughs> I, I aim at the drain anyway. Thing. I do too. Why? <laughs> this is getting really embarrassing. Okay, let me let me just continue the other thing. So Yeah, yeah tell me like were... you've never defecated in the shower. <laughs> 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 Alright, this part might need to be cut. I don't know. <laughs> I got into like listening to books on tape or listen to a podcast or whatever. Uh, I found this device. It's a like a Bluetooth connected speaker mm -hmm. that's waterproof. So you can yeah, take yeah. it into the shower and actually it's meant for the shower. And so it has like a little suction cup and you can just put it right into your shower. So mm -hmm. before I go into the shower, if I'm listening to a book on tape, I can actually just switch it over to the Bluetooth. And when I'm in the shower, I can do this. Not only does it do that, if you get a phone call, 
on your phone while you're listening to like something and you're already Bluetooth connected, you can pick up the phone. <laughs> Asha, what time do you normally take your shower? <laughs> and so I know people don't like when the other person is going to the bathroom when they're on the phone. But can you imagine like, oh, I hear some water in the background. What's going on? Uh, I'm by the stream. <laughs> I'm at a riverbank. But what I think is interesting is that nowadays, the showers, the technology and the mm. things that high-end homes with high-end yeah. showers or bathrooms, the things that are in a shower, they're amazing. It's like, yeah. why would you put that much technology into a shower? They have things like, it's almost like a car wash for your body. Because they have so many, like, so many jets coming at you, right? Yeah, I don't have one of those. I've stayed in places that have, and I'd love to have more nozzles put in. At very least, a second shower head, because Wanda and I shower all the time together. Well, the second shower head, but they have the shower heads coming top to bottom. Yeah, right. like so, rain. Well, no, along the side, like vertically, vertically. So they have multiple shower oh, streams oh, yeah, coming yeah. at you. Right. So you can have, like, so, five streams from the left. You know, five streams from right. the right. So the, the water itself shoots horizontally. Shoot horizontally. But they, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. I wouldn't mind some of those. I kind of like some of them shoot out hot steam. Hot steam, yes. I like the big, broad shower heads that uh -huh. are overhead and it's kind of uh -huh. like a gentle rain. You yes, know? yes, yes, yes. I was in a hotel that had that big, broad shower head. It was like, it looked like it was like a foot, you know, square foot or something like that. I actually didn't like it. Because it mm. was like shooting right down my face. You can't look up. You kind of have right. to step away if you don't want it right in your eyes. And then the, you defeat the purpose. If Two things there. Have you ever, <laughs> this is going to sound weird. Have you ever taken a shower outdoors in the rain? Um, I don't know if I've done it that way, but I've had those outdoor showers. I've taken showers and outdoor showers. Yeah. So when I was renovating the house out in Pennsylvania, yeah. behind the house, there was nothing but woods. Right. And the water was disconnected. But it was in the <laughs> middle of the summer. It was pouring rain. I jumped outside <laughs> with a bar of soap. And it was wonderful. <laughs> I can imagine you doing that. <laughs> Fortunately, there's no video of the event. The other thing is that, you know, I used to travel a lot on business. And I found going into the shower, especially in the morning before I'd had my coffee, I found it an odd experience because showers and hotels are inside, right? They don't have any windows or anything. Right. And I would close the blackout curtains on the bedroom. I'd lay a towel down at the bottom of the door and I'd take a shower in total darkness. Oh. To the point where you couldn't even see the hand in front of your face. Really? That singular sense deprivation I found was an odd and comforting experience. It put me in a different frame of mind and it, it made me relax and it woke me up gently. That's interesting. That is interesting. I think a lot of people might like that idea and suggestion. So maybe it's other an, people will start doing that, taking showers. It's an with odd the light thing. On. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. to the best of my knowledge, I invented it on my own. There you but, go. Well, technology wise, other than the multiple shower head, they have radiant floors. Of course, they have the steam oh, yeah. that you mentioned. Uh, I know people that have TVs in their shower area. That's uh, a little overboard. Yeah, I guess if you're sitting there watching the news or whatever and you want to stream something, just like I'm listening to a podcast or a book on tape in my shower, I guess mm. people want to watch TV. Yeah, I have a Bluetooth speaker, but it's on the counter outside the shower. And it has to be pretty loud for you to hear clearly what's going on. See, that's why if it's in the shower, it doesn't have to be that loud. You can hear it a lot clearer. I really got hooked on it for a while. 
And then somehow I just stopped using it. I think I took it out one time because you still have to charge it. Oh, the thing. So yeah. I took it out to charge it and then I never put it back in. Did the suction never drop? Yeah, yeah. So a cu first couple of times I tried to do the suction thing. And then after that, I decided, no, I'm just going to put it off on the side without the suction. Just lay it on something where yeah. it's not going to be like right underneath the water or something. So I have to buy a shaving mirror maybe once a year. And it's the same mirror. It's relatively cheap. But the suction cup itself just wears out. It doesn't wears hold out, yeah. the suction. And you hear it sometimes crashing in the middle of the night. Ah, uh, yeah, that's frustrating. When I go into a shower, it is a very relaxing thing, obviously. Mm -hmm. I mean, the shower is falling on you. You want to spend as much time in there. So you want to get as much done as you can. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully you're not eating in there. Hopefully. <laughs> I don't know, I could bring a guitar in or something. Years ago, every time I would get into the shower, my first wife would pass Haley to me as a baby. Oh, yeah, yeah. And in the shower, I'd, I'd lather her up and yeah. rinse her off. And it was just a wonderful bonding experience. It yeah. kind of ended when she started looking at me funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're funny. So I have another question for you. Oh, okay. COVID's been going on for a while now. Have you bought any new clothes since COVID started? You know, I've, I've noticed that my wardrobe is looking pretty shabby. <laughs> I haven't really been going out. I mean, so I was an officiant at a wedding not long ago, and I bought a suit for that. Oh, that's right. That's right. I went to a suit outlet, one of the national brand suit outlets. And it was nice having a suit that fit me. It was a, a good experience. Apart from that, mail order, I bought. Uh-oh, I don't know if I want to know what you bought on mail order. <laughs> no, nothing that uses batteries. A pair of sneakers and a new pair of... Oh, no, I, I bought a pair of jeans. And Wait a second. You bought a pair of sneakers online? I have to. Most stores don't carry my size. All right. So was this a brand and a size that you've already bought before? Because yeah. for me, I have to try things on. Sneakers are a little more forgiving. I wouldn't buy shoes that way. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. sneakers you were okay with? Yeah. Generally, like I'm wearing a pair of sneakers now that are kind of mesh and they have a lot of stretch and give to them. It's kind of like bedroom slippers practically. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. I have a pair of favorite sneakers and the brand. Unfortunately, they change the models on these mm. sneakers. So when I go to order them the next time, it's not the exact same. So then I end up having to call the store and find out what's the new upgrade for that same exact brand. And then they can tell yeah. me and then I can just order the same one. So I, I guess I have ordered sneakers online before, but that's only because I've had like five generations of the same sneaker. I don't have a favorite model of sneaker. I generally buy New Bounds only oh. because they're cheap and I think they're made in the U.S. Huh. Okay. Okay. I bought a pair of New Bounds sneakers, came in through Amazon and they were tight on the width. Mm -hmm. and I never returned things. No. So I wore them tight, and I was so thankful when they were be began scraping on the outside, with holes on the outside, <laughs> so I just go out and get a new pair. Funny. I found that since COVID, instead of wearing the clothes that are right in the front of my closet, I have been going to the back of my closet and wearing all those outdated things or things I just didn't want to get rid of quite yet. So perfect that opportunity like, to wear bell-bottom pants again. There you go. <laughs> I'm not yeah, going I mean, that far back in my closet. <laughs> oh, oh. But when I say going back in my closet, it's like whether it's an old t-shirt or an old sweatpant or mm. a yoga pant or something like that. It's like, why bother wearing the nicer, newer ones when I'm just going to be hanging out in the house doing whatever I'm doing in the house? No one's seeing me anyway. So I'm wearing all these other things. I have this whole section of my closet that I haven't been touched. I'm wearing the more comfortable things. Am I buying new stuff? 
I guess back in the summer when they started opening up a little bit more and right. saying it's okay to go out. I haven't been shopping in such a long time. I felt like, oh my God, this is great. I can, it feels like normal again. I can go out and like buy stuff. There's just been a few things that I've bought clothes wise. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I feel like, why am I doing that? Because I know I have a closet full of clothes that I haven't actually been wearing. So if I do and what would be the point? Get, get all dressed up and nowhere to go. Well, eventually we'll have somewhere to go. So if I find something that I really like, you know, it's, it's kind of worth it. It's interesting. I optimistically have, I would say, two dozen pants hanging in my closet that I have really very little chance of ever fitting back into. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you I, just haven't gotten rid of them yet? Yeah. The waistline is two inches smaller than what I wear now. And I'm 61 years old. Is it conceivable I'm going to get back into pants that I wore in my 30s? And I try to kind of like uh, dig out clothes that I haven't worn in a long time just to see like, you know, why am I keeping them type of thing. So as I was getting ready this morning, there was a pair of jeans that I had from a long time. You know, they were tight on me when I bought them. And I don't know why I bought them at the time, but maybe I just liked the fit of them on that day, you know, yeah. whatever. And I, and I bought them. I tried them on today. It's like, okay, these do not fit. But they're like really nice jeans, so I didn't get rid of them. And I, you know what I did? I stuck them back in the bottom of my <laughs> bag of <laughs> jeans. <laughs> so uh, were they just really tight? Yeah, and I don't like things that are really tight. Yeah, yeah. It was just uncomfortable. So um, with your closet, do you, do you swap out your winter and summer clothes? Maybe it's you not know, something a guy does. No, no, no. I, well, you have to because you have a limited amount of space, right? Right. I have a trunk that holds either my sweaters or my t-shirts and, and shorts yeah depending yeah, on yeah, what time yeah. of the year it is but so i haven't been really good out. about swapping them out actually wanda has been she's got her own summer and winter storage area i've got all the shelves in my closet are packed high i almost like hate going in for fear of having an avalanche on me <laughs> you know trying to pull something out and this whole thing <laughs> cascades yeah yeah i've got to get around to that how about you, Asha? Do you swap things out? I used to be more regular with that. Uh, I don't do that much anymore, but I do have a section for like short sleeve tops and long sleeve tops and sweaters. So it's all in my closet and I know where it all is. I don't swap it off to a completely off-site location or anything like that. I'm kind of surprised um, it's not a date on your calendar. Well, time to swap the clothes <laughs> Because there's too many days, kind of like now. Here it is getting into fall, and you still have some really nice warm days. So mm. I just don't find that necessary anymore. And remember that old rule? I know I don't know if you've heard of it before, like when you can wear white. You oh, have to yeah. stop wearing white after like, Labor uh, Day, I think. Labor Day. Yeah. And then Memorial Day is when you can start again or something like that. Right. I'm like, that's a bunch of crap. I heard yeah. about that when I lived in the Southwest where it's a lot warmer climate. And I thought to myself, it's warm all the time. Why can't I wear white? It's dependent on the weather. So if the weather is sunny, bright, warm, wear the white. I used to wear white pants occasionally. I might have one or two pair in the closet. I rarely ever wear them ever anymore. I don't know why. My tastes have changed, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> you want something more functional or more comfortable and don't have to worry about getting your white dirty? When I first met Wanda that summer, I used to wear white jeans. They were a little on the tight side. I would work on her pool, and she had this fantasy of Jose the pool boy. Just, uh, <laughs> you know... Jose the pool boy. <laughs> yeah. For the benefit of our listeners who don't know, my, my legal name is actually Jose. There you go. So she really did have a Jose. 
Hey, on another question, an Albert Einstein question, do you think we'll ever have another Albert Einstein? Someone, you know, that gets that notoriety to be this genius type of person. Mm. There are a lot of people who would love that title, would love the mantle of the next Albert Einstein. There are a couple of guys like this guy, Neil Tyson deGrasse or Neil yes, deGrasse yes, Tyson. Yes, I forget yes. what his name yes, is. Yes, yes, the scientist, right. Yeah, I, I played handball with him back at the Bronx High School of Science. He was a lousy what? handball player. Yeah. What? I kicked his ass. <gasps> no way. Yeah. Did you really? Yeah, he was uh, two years older than me, I think. So wait, wait, wait. Tell me about this. You guys grew up near each other? No, no. We just went to the same high school. I mean, I was dirt poor, and he came from an affluent family. This is a true story. Yeah. I played handball with him. He's quite I met him popular. once afterwards, too. Oh, my God. Would he remember he, you? Uh, no. He didn't then. But the thing is, as a scientist, I never had a ton of respect for him because I always felt like he was marketing himself first. Maybe it was a matter of income, mm -hmm. but this whole thing about declassifying Pluto as a planet, that's on him. And it put him you on the map You think that was a marketing largely. ploy? I think it generated controversy and he was at the center of it. It's Some interesting of that you say that. It's very interesting that you say that because I've kind of thought the same thing about him. And not just, yeah, I guess about him. I don't want to pick on the guy in particular. Right, you know, right. But, He's but, obviously but, a very intelligent person. He probably he definitely is. knows his stuff. And I think it's his delivery of scientific facts that makes right. him compelling. And yeah. I think that's what it takes for someone in a field to be successful. So when I asked the question about an Albert Einstein, about whether we would ever have another Albert Einstein, back in those days, back in the Albert Einstein days, if you were a scientist, you were probably working in a lab somewhere, mm. off by yourself, doing this research, figuring <clears throat> things out, publishing reports. And you can say that I've done this report, this is my findings, this is what I've done. You pre present it out to the scientific community, and then you get the notoriety. Where right. nowadays, I think anything that's really, really important gets funding, like a multi-million dollar funding, mm -hmm. to a university, let's say, or some kind of research institution. And then that, that research institution hands it off to a team of people, and the team of people work on something. So right. if a team of people are working on something, one person is never getting that level of notoriety. Right. That team of people and the report that they put out might be nominated for a Nobel Prize or something right. like that. So how do you create someone that is like an Albert Einstein? And right. it's interesting that you brought out Neil Tyson Degrassi. I think that's his name. I could look back. I've read his books. Mm -hmm. And... He certainly has taken the mantle of a popularizer of science. He inherited that from Carl Sagan, who I, I loved reading his books. Uh -huh. I couldn't really tell you what either one of them has done to progress the, the, the cause of science, to move the ball forward. Even Stephen Hawking, a brilliant man, especially mm -hmm. under his circumstances, sure. has he developed some theories that have been borne out in terms of radiation coming out of black holes. Albert Einstein, on the other hand, was a genius for the ages, one that comes around perhaps once a century. I put him on par with Sir Isaac Newton. He fundamentally changed the basic laws of physics, and he did so in his own head. All the other stuff is in terms of being a quaint, lovable, goofy kind of professor who had a good heart. He probably had Asperger's syndrome couldn't relate well to people, but all that added to his lore. In terms of what he won the Nobel Prize for, it was relatively small, but relativity was such a groundbreaking restructuring of how we see the universe that I have nothing but the utmost of respect for the man. 
So what I think is interesting about the Albert Einstein, and he gets all the adulation and the credit for what he's discovered. And I don't know how much of this is true or not true. There was a, a fiction book written based on truth about Albert Einstein's, I'll say wife. I don't know if they actually ever got married. I forget what the name of the book was, but it was a fiction book. And it shows how she was a physicist and really smart. You're, you're smiling already. Um, right. That she that had come up with a lot of the theories. Um, <laughs> and he would not have been able to make the connections and do the math behind some of the things that he published if it was not for this other woman in his life. What is it called? The Other Einstein or something? Maybe that's the name of the book. That's fiction. It is a fiction <laughs> book, but... It has to be. Why does it have to be? I mean, the book itself was very interesting. They talk about the fact that it was a time period when you know, all these like little cafes and near university areas would come up and people would have these intellectual conversations out, you know, in parks or in the cafes and mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. So there was always collaboration. They say he was very suave. He was very debonair. He charmed people. He got people to get engaged with what he was doing, whether he was picking the brain of someone else. Let's even take like a, a Steve Jobs. Of course, he was a genius. Of course, he did some revolutionary things. But the great thing about him is that he was able to see an idea of someone else's, take that, incorporate it, and put it together as a piece of a puzzle. Hmm. Like Sir Isaac Newton, who claimed that if he was able to see farther than other people, it's because he got to stand on the shoulders of giants. The foundation of relativity were based on other discoveries that had been made up to that point. But he pieced everything together, and he did a lot of that work that dealt with the speed of light, the relativity of time, while he was working alone in a patent office. It was a boring job. And so he got here's to spend the thing the again, again in the book, and I don't know the truth, I don't know the historical perspective of all this. They talk about how the, and I'm just gonna say the wife, because I don't, like I said, I don't know if they were actually married at the time, that she was a physicist and he had hit a wall in his research, she had gotten pregnant, somehow lost the baby. That got her thinking about different things, about time travel and about the time continuums. She had this kind of moment in her life. She was mm -hmm. a genius in her own right and had solved or had had thoughts about this. And so when he was talking to her, they were talking to each other. She actually did a lot of the formulations and the solutions to the conundrum he was in where he had stopped. He could not figure out how to move forward. And she actually put the pieces of the puzzle together and came up with this. Not only she, but again, similarly, I don't remember what his specific, maybe he was like the math genius, but then his mm. wife was the person that knew more of the physics aspect of it. And then there might've been someone else that he collaborated with that had some other specialty area that they were right. experts in. So he was able to pick off of all those people, but without necessarily giving them credit, had the, all the pieces of the puzzle come together. Maybe that's a part of their genius, though. Mm. So it's not just what they discovered. It's the fact that they can take pieces of disparate information from other places and put it all together and make it do something. Because that's what I would say about Steve Jobs. It's not he himself that, I mean, he might have been a great coder. He might have been a great other things. But his solutions are basically the fact that he was able to take different technologies that existed that he knew about and figured out how to incorporate them into the grander scheme of what he was trying to accomplish. I would say that it probably makes for a good story, but is probably not based on fact, from what I know of Einstein's story. I also know that when he ultimately won the Nobel Prize, it was for something that had to do with light being converted into electrical energy. He wound up giving 
the Nobel Prize money to his first wife, perhaps out of guilt, maybe maybe because she had a hand in it. I, it would surprise me. From what I understood, he was first involved with someone who had very little scientific background. But we'll find out. See, I don't know. When I read the book, I really started actually disliking Albert Einstein. I thought, oh, oh my no God, kidding. what a jerk. Yes, yes. After I read the book, I thought, and as a, a female in you know, technology is where I started. Um, and and I just to a certain really, degree as a feminist. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't call myself a feminist, but if someone else wants to give me that label, I'm fine with that. I think it's an ambiguous Well, I, I think you go so, out of your way I, to make sure that women are represented fairly in media, in, in stories. And from what you tell me of your life, you wanted to make sure that you were never slighted because you were a woman, I think. Maybe that's another topic. Perhaps. <laughs> But, but Albert Einstein is one of my favorite characters, not only in science, but in history. Is it? And, oh, okay. And I'm sorry that this, this book left a bad taste yes, in my mouth for him. Yes, uh, it really left a bad taste in my mouth for him because it really painted him, in an, to me, a very ugly way in terms of how he treated his wife, that lady that he courted and was a genius in her own right. God. And used her theories, used her knowledge, didn't treat her well, never married her, promised her all kinds but it, of but things. But it was probably and, just the story, right? No, I don't think so. The lady that wrote it is a historian, and I think she based it a lot on fact, but could not make it into a biography and had to call it fiction because she made it into a story. But I think a lot of it was supposed to be factual. I didn't go ahead and go back and dig into it. So with I right will. now with you Get and me I, the title, and I will dig in. <laughs> wow. No, I really totally disrespected him. Totally wow. disrespected him after I read the book. Yeah, he um, lived maybe 15 minutes from here. Yes, that's right. In Princeton when he was, I think he was the chair of cosmology or, or physics, something like that. For yes, yes, yes. In fact, uh, over in Princeton, they, they celebrate Pi Day. It's a huge day. Uh, mm -hmm. March 14th, 3.14. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, 3.14, <laughs> March 14th is a really big day in Princeton. <laughs> yeah, there are statues of them all over the town. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm going to move on to a different topic because I have a feeling that this could get very controversial. <laughs> uh -oh. And maybe offline it will. I don't know. <laughs> so you just mentioned that you're 61 years old. Mm -hmm. So I have a question for you. Do you think your personality has changed with your experience over the years? Uh, without a doubt, my personality has changed, gotten better as I get on with my journey through life. But wait a second, let me, let me um, clarify that a little bit. When I say personality, I mean the core of who you are, not just like, oh, what you're, you know, like I used to love Cheerios and now I hate Cheerios. I don't mean like that. No. Not your likes and dislikes, things like that. I just mean like the core of who you are, like who you were as a child. No, I'm talking about the basic person I am has greatly improved over the years. In my early 20s, I was a womanizing jerk. And now you're not? Wow. <laughs> I'm teasing you, Joe. Thank you. <laughs> I would never say that. <laughs> but I also had a hard time generating empathy. I, I was, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know, not just insensitive, but maybe... Um... I could say I, I was insensitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the reason I ask that is I do think that, and I've noticed um, my dad passed away a couple years ago, but as he aged, when you take away the other parts of your life and take away maybe as your age, maybe the memory of who you are, who you were, kind of goes away a little bit, and you might have seen this in your father-in-law, that you just get to the core of the person. So mm -hmm. that core of that person, let's say... You were somewhat of a, an angry person when you were growing up. 
do you when you age do you re-become that person again is that who you are and then you become that angry person again you know i i struggled with that a lot in dealing with bill a man who i never knew as sound mind and body i knew him he was already on his journey with alzheimer's and there were parts of him that were easy to dislike mm -hmm. i know he held you in great affection thank you i appreciate that and it but was the, mutual but there were sides of him i i, I don't know if the disease had changed him or the disease just stripped the varnish and down to the nut of who he was. But he was a bit of a crank at uh -huh. the end. Uh -huh. Although he wouldn't come out and say it, it was obvious that he had prejudicial opinions of people based on the color of their skin. Hmm. And no, he definitely was not anything like that. Um, yeah. As I, I know he accepted I you. He's, he accepted you as, as, in an inner circle of friends. Mm -hmm. And I know he was quite affectionate to you when I saw the, the two of you sitting on the other side of a table at dinner. Yeah, I was very comfortable with him. I will put a caveat to my question, ex except mm -hmm. what happens in Alzheimer's, because I don't know that much about Alzheimer's as a disease, but I do know that it can completely change who you are. I don't think that's just a shedding of your outside layer. I think that fundamentally changes something else in your brain, that you become a different type of person. So let's take that medical condition out of the picture. But I'm just meaning like, from from being young to getting older and and when you get older you know people say oh i can deal with things a lot better because i'm older and i have more experiences so where does that come from and when i say do you become a more concentrated version of yourself you go back to who you were as a as a natural person like whether you're a person like okay let's take bill for an example i know he's an engineer he, he mm -hmm. is an engineer so he's very detail oriented and he always has been to the point where many people just assumed he had an obsessive compulsive disorder. If you looked Maybe. into his wood shop, he had every tool yes. lined up on a pegboard around his uh, around the room. It had silhouettes on it, so he knew exactly where each one went. They were labeled. Okay, you, so this is really funny. You saw that pegboard, and you saw that as being obsessive compulsive. I saw that pegboard, and I thought, what a great idea. It's two different perspectives because I can appreciate that person. I can appreciate that quality, but I bet you as he grew, as he got older, that probably became more concentrated. You know, maybe in his 20s, he would have done something, but as he got older, he's like, okay. So I think kind of like, kind of like what happens to you in Alzheimer's, as you get older, maybe you just don't care as much. Your defenses are lower. And so you'll go out in slippers and a bathrobe <laughs> to, to the store. What the hell do I care? What are they going to arrest me? You know? But say, okay, maybe, so that's not an Alzheimer's thing. Is that, that comes maybe with age. Like, I don't care about certain things. I don't care about those social norms. Maybe you get to the point where you say, I don't really give a damn whether people like me or not. I've, you know, I've got yes. so many... Only so many days left. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to be comfortable in my remaining years. And I'm not going to fret over my social status. I just think with my experience of seeing what my dad went through, it does feel like that. But I, I do think like your traits are probably a combination of who you actually are as well as your experiences in life. Mm. And all those experiences come together to form who you are. And of course, by the time you're 50 and 60, you have a lot more of those experiences. Right. So, so whether it makes you more perceptive, less perceptive, more angry, less angry, whoever you are just seems to like, like, okay, you hone in on that, you know, so you've kind of become a concentrated version of yourself. At least that's my theory. And this is all taking away Alzheimer's because I think that's just a whole different. Right. Mind. Right. 
It's kind of interesting because your personality changes greater the older and older you get into well into old age. Certainly, I'm not as naive as I used to be. I'm not as trusting, perhaps. But getting burned yeah. will do that over the course of your lifetime. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. So all those experiences have concentrated themselves in you. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why you. they say as you get older, what do they say? Your your hips get wider, but your mind gets narrower. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. So something like that. <laughs> oh, and another serving of the chat buffet is over for now. It was great chatting with you, Joe. And you, Asha, looking forward to our next chat. Talk to you again soon. Thanks for decompressing with us today. Also, feel free to share the link with your friends and family and talk about these topics amongst yourselves. Meet you at the next chat buffet, a place where friendly conversation is served up on a regular basis.